Hey, welcome to TPT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel. On this edition, Josh Brown has an awesome interview with Anthony Harris of the Fort Wayne Champs, formerly the Ants alumni. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. I know Josh has told me many times it's one of his favorites that he's ever done. Remember that TBT's voting application period closes on June 1st at noon. If you haven't voted yet, make sure you get that vote in to get your team into TBT. For fans, the voting actually continues all the way through July 8th. Recruit more of your friends and family, move up those ranks, and maybe you can win $20,000 yourself because $200,000 of that $2 million prize is going to be split among the top 100 fans of the winning team. You can find TBT anywhere on social media. We're at the tournament on Twitter, facebook.com backslash the tournament on Instagram. We're the dot tournament for reasons previously disclosed on prior podcasts. And you'll even find us on Snapchat occasionally at the tournament there as well. Remember that if you haven't already, subscribe to TBT's podcast on Apple Podcasts. Send this podcast around to all of your friends and family so that they can know as much about TBT as you do. Let's get to that interview now that Josh has with Anthony Harris. Welcoming in now to the TBT podcast, Anthony Harris, a point guard on the Fort Wayne Champs. They were applying to play in TBT's Midwest region at Bradley University this coming summer. TBT coming up in just a couple of weeks, really starting to get close. But Anthony, how you doing? I'm well. How about so? Doing well. Thank you for being here, Anthony. I know you have a, a, a you've you know you've had a busy couple of days, and uh, obviously the Fort Wayne champs having a busy couple of months getting ready for TBT, and uh, it's actually going to be your third stint in TBT, assuming obviously you guys make it into the Midwest Regional. I mean, uh, your team who made the semifinals of TBT in 2015, and then last year obviously a little bit of a down year for you guys, but uh, kind of crazy, right? That's already your third year in TBT. Yeah, it kind of went by fast after you uh, kind of look at it, already going to the third year. Um, last year, kind of made it seem a little bit faster being that, you know, we, we lost in the first round. So uh, really looking forward to this season for, you know, this year's tournament. Yeah, and obviously, you, you see, it's so tough when you make the semifinals, and uh, you know, teams the year before, they have a chance to watch you on TV. They can kind of see what you're all about. Do you think that that, that was just kind of maybe uh, that game last year against the Canton Bulldogs? Do you think that maybe played a factor? Just they were able to kind of learn so much about you, and you didn't really know what to expect from them coming into the game? Right. Uh, most definitely. If you, if you pay attention to the tournament, which I, I know you do, um, a lot of the top teams struggle with the lower seeds because those are teams that everybody then either seen over the years, players you've seen over the years, um, teams in previous years that did pretty well or went pretty far. So you get a you get a better chance to scout the the, the better teams or the higher talented uh, teams uh, for personnel. Yeah, I think that plays played played in a favor to a bit and um tournaments like this, you know, a lot of teams really, really get up to play those teams because it's it's not only about the money. You got a lot of guys that, you know, wanted wanted to be division one players or play at a Duke, play at a North Carolina, play at a Miami, play at a Kansas, or wanted to play in the NBA or play in the NBA D League. Or high level overseas, so you know those guys get up for those type of things. And you know what? That's just where I was going to ask you right then, because you guys came in, and the big storyline was, you know, this is the D League champion team who made the semifinals at TBT. Everything was kind of in your hand. Do you think that that kind of underdog mentality, guys trying to prove a point, do you think that's kind of a huge driving force behind some of these teams in TBT? Oh, most definitely. Even even with the Canton team last year. Uh, 
they had like a little scrimmage game that they played back home. And we, we, we actually, it's funny because we had somebody in Canton that we knew. So we had somebody scout them and, uh, was able to kind of see the, see them play a little bit. And off of, off of, off of that alone, you can tell right away, like, this is a team that you can't take lightly. Like these guys are coming in, they're going to be ready to play. And even, you know, the first two, three minutes of that game, they played with a, with a, with a edge, a little bit of chip on their shoulder. And, and, and it kind of, it kind of rolled. You know, in 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 a favor as the game went on. Yeah, I, I don't want to harp on that game too much because obviously you had a great run the year before. But one thing that really stood out from that game was on their side. I don't know if you remember their their little point guard Jesse Harden Jr. who yeah, made a lot of threes. Yeah, just how tough is that when you have a guy on fire like that in a single elimination tournament? Um, how tough does that make it? I would say it was tough because we didn't really play our game. We we didn't we didn't think they was gonna play small. I think we we did too much scouting. And and this is a type of tournament that again, like it can either play in your favor or not. And when you have guys that can play, they know each other's games, you really don't have to do too much scouting. And I'll say the difference in this season versus last season, we did way too much scouting. So we kinda was like, oh oh snap, okay, they're going small. Because I think they started off playing four guards against us. Yeah. So we had like we had Frisbee guarding a little guy. And he was one of those little guys. So we told ourselves, okay, since since they're small, and we pretty athletic, pretty good team defensively. We just gonna switch everything and we just put our bigs on the island. Yeah. And I think that's how he got going. He got a lot of rhythm threes and, and once a guy sees two or three go in, he he becomes a a, a hard cover with confidence. That's a great point, and uh, just that that tidbit about scouting too, really interesting because you do hear that, uh, you know, at some point you just kind of got to let the players play you here a lot in TBT. Uh, but obviously, you guys made a, a great run uh, the year before that, and that's what I really wanted to uh, hit on. Obviously, not focus on the down. You guys made the TBT semifinals, and obviously, coming off a year where you made the uh, D League championship the year before that, just take us, th- you know, a couple of sentences. Take us through that run. What was that like? To you know, be back with your your championship team and make a deep run uh, the following summer. Um, the funny thing is, to me, it it played a similar role to how it did in D League, just a different outcome. Because last year, I actually thought that okay, we was going to win it all, which I think a lot of people did. Once again, they had us uh, one of the top teams to be back in uh, the finals. But um, chemistry is everything, so. You know, our first year together um, was the year prior to us winning the championship in the D-League, and our chemistry was great. And I think we won the next year because a lot of guys came back that was a part of that team. So our chemistry was great, and that was kind of like the same thing going to TBT. You had five, six guys, really five for the first weekend, that knew each other's game, played with each other, won a championship together, and uh, we caught a rhythm. And the funny thing is, I was just talking to one of the guys the other day about um, how easy it was for us to to play together that first weekend with only five guys mm. because because you would think that's hard, that's tough. You, you don't have no subs, you can't get in no foul trouble, but rhythm is everything. And we was able to get into a rhythm early. We didn't have to worry about substitutions. We was able to consciously know that we have to control and dictate this pace no matter what. So the rhythm was outstanding with five guys, which is 
basically what you need in a tournament like this, being that it's kind of college rules and then the clock doesn't stop. So right. That, play, that, that doesn't play in your favor and it's a shorter time period. I think it's like 15 minute half or 18, something like that. Yeah, 18 minute half. So that's a shorter time period. It's only 36 minutes. So you don't have a lot of time to work with. So your biggest thing is really jumping on teams early and making them play catch up with the clock in your favor. And you know, so that- with five guys, we were kind of able to do that a little bit better. And then the previous year, we kind of changed personnel. Like I said, I felt like we kind of scouted a little bit too much. And, and, and the, one of the biggest things I, I felt was different than the year before was that rhythm. Hmm. That's interesting because in your first year, the Ants alumni first year in TBT, Overseas Elite also only played with five players that first right. weekend, and yep. they went on to win the championship. Yeah, and, and, and once again, I, I really paid attention to this. It's funny because I said this. I said this like after game one in, in the tournament because I was watching every game because I was intrigued with you guys' whole setup with TBT. I was like, yo, this is, I don't know why I haven't heard about this tournament earlier. This is a great tournament. So I was, I'm, you know, I'm really, really, really involved around this time of year when the tournament comes. And I was watching Overseas Elite. And I said, yo, I think this is who we're going to end up playing if mm. we make it to New York. Everybody kept saying, wow, wow. I say, because they in a rhythm. You know what I'm saying? They got five guys and, and they rhythm is just there. It's easier to get into a rhythm when you got less players. That's interesting because, you know what, I've never really heard that before, but now that you think about it, it makes sense when you're trying to, you know, in a one-and-done tournament, trying to fill that chemistry that to just have five guys playing together. Like you said, it's a shorter game. Um, so that, that's really interesting. I mean, this year, you guys actually have a couple of new guys coming in, uh, some younger yeah. members of the, the Ants, whether it be uh, Stephen Hicks, Travis Leslie. I know you have uh, Adam Woodbury coming in. Uh, how do you think that changes the dynamic this year, having some of the younger guys coming in? Um, size-wise, it, 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 it's, it, it's kind of funny because I look at our team now and I say it's kind of similar to like what basketball is now, which is, um, you not, you really don't have a lot of traditional positions where you got like your bigs is big, your wings is long, you know, your guards is like you got a bunch of wing players mm. and, and guys that can play multiple positions. So technically, when you have that, Nine out of ten times, you're going to be playing a lot of small ball. So I think that it plays in our favor. Just We just have to figure out how to piece it out because we have so many wings. But I, I, I've always thought this once I became mature enough to understand it and get out of my own like rural of, 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 of competitive, competitiveness and being dominant. The wing player is probably the most important player in basketball. No team has ever won a championship without a good wing. Yeah. So I think with us having that dynamic, that's going to be interesting for for, for us this, this, this time around. It is interesting, and I actually, so I talked to Marcus Morris from the Detroit Pistons uh, two weeks ago. He coaches Team Foe in the tournament, and he said the same thing, um, and he said, especially when it comes to guard play, he said the teams with, uh, you know, the, the way to win in TBT is to construct your roster around your two or three best guards, and really to get, uh, you know, strong guard play. He said guard play is what wins this TBT yep. tournament, and it sounds like you agree with that. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, and even in basketball in general, whenever you have good guard, 
if you don't win a lot of games, you're going to always be in games. Like when I say in games, like they're going to be close games. They're going to be every game you play in is going to be winnable when you got good guards. Yeah, and you guys obviously showed that. And, you know, whether it be yourself, you have Ron Howard, um, you have Trey McKinney-Jones, who ended up being a really nice player for you guys. And then some of the guys you have coming in, you guys certainly have strong guards. Uh, before we move on, uh, just to a little bit about yourself, when you look back on that uh, semifinals around a couple of years ago, what's your favorite memory that comes to mind, whether it be a moment or a game or something off the court? Does anything, you know, particularly come to mind? I would say the the thing that automatically comes to mind with me is being able to be around that team again because that was like one of the one of the best teams I've been around as far as off the court goes and as far as like chemistry and gelling with a group of guys goes like that team was really a brotherhood. That was the first time I experienced that whole um atmosphere of, you know, close teams win championships. You know, I've been on a lot of good teams and I've heard people say or people speak about, you know, you want to win the championships, you guys got to be close and niche, you got to be do this and do this together and all that type of stuff. And that was the first team I experienced that with and I actually won a championship with. So um, it was good just being around a lot of the guys that I'm real close with, even though we talk a lot. You know, it's not the same as, you know, being able to go hang out with guys, going to eat. So that um, aspect of it, I really enjoyed. It, it was memorable, you know, to add on to what we've done um, on a professional level. How cool was it too to see the uh, Ants alumni, or you know, the Fort Wayne Mad Ants fans? They really came out in Chicago, which makes sense. But you also had a pretty good contingency in New York too for the semifinals. What was that like to see them yeah, kind of come I, out and support? I, I really wasn't expecting our crowd in New York to be like that. Like when I seen like the little. Like, I knew we had, like, you know, um, Will Frisbee is from Long Island. So, you know, I kind of knew he would have family come out. But I kind of seen his family and who all was there. You know, it was it was, it was was a nice amount of people, but it wasn't, like, enough to be like, okay, they're going to overrule, like, these other two, 3,000 people that's in the stand. But when I seen, like, how many people actually came out and supported us, man, I, I was like, I was actually kind of shocked. Mm. You know, I actually had family come up, friends come up, but there was a lot of people that came up. There was a lot of Miami friends that came up. And your GM, uh, Garrett Martz, said after, although obviously, you know, TBT's not affiliated, obviously, with the D-League in any way, he said it was big for the league just to show that the talent, because I think some people sometimes get the impression that um, for whatever reason, um, I think people are starting to, they think that, you know, the best players go overseas and go and play in Greece and Italy. But he said it was so important to show the D-League has really the best players in the world other than the NBA. What do you think, you know, just the exposure that you guys were able to bring to the league uh, meant to kind of just kind of show the talent that does play in the D-League? Right. Um, And you can even, you can even, uh, I don't want to give them too much credit because, you know, might end up playing against them and they defend the champs and, and rightfully so. But you can even say the same thing about overseas elite. Mm. All of those guys played in D league. Right. And they won it, what, they two years in a row. So for anybody to be biased to what the D league brings to the table from a talent level, I would, I would say that they, 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 they cover in their eyes because I believe, and I still make this argument with a lot of people like, 
I've experienced EuroLeague. I've, I've played against EuroLeague, um, in EuroLeague. And me personally, I feel like the best teams in the D League would dominate in EuroLeague. Mm. You know, I, a lot of, cause, cause, and I'm, I'm, I'm using them as an example because a lot of people feel like EuroLeague is still second to none to the NBA. Right. And I feel like the D League has caught that. Like the D League is honestly in a place now where it's really the little brother to the NBA. I, you know, I, it's such a tough line, but it's so interesting how that dynamic works. And it, you know, people are wrong if they say the D League is, uh, you know, the little brother to Euro League. I think it's so, you know, the talent is so good in both leagues. So do you think if you put the Ants alumni or overseas elite as their own team in one of these Euro League teams, do you think they win the championship? Oh yeah, yeah. Most definitely. That's, def. that's interesting, and because, and and I only say this because you're gonna have probably three players on that team that's American, that, that that's high profile player, and on the D League team now you can possibly have seven or eight. I don't think people realize like in the D League you have a ten man roster, and you normally have like out of that ten man roster you probably have like two three guys that kind of get shoved on the bench for whatever reason because you might have players that's getting assigned down. And those three guys that sitting on the end of the bench can very well be better than guys that play 40 minutes in EuroLeague. Right. Yeah. Because the talent in the D-League is so, 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 so wide right now. Like it's 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 a lot of talent in the D-League. And you hope, too, with what they're doing with the cap and all that uh, kind of behind-the-scenes payment stuff, you hope that that even expands further, uh, you know, and brings even more guys to want to stay in America and, you know, play in front of friends and family in the D-League as well. Uh, what's been the most challenging part? You've obviously, you've bounced, like you mentioned, between both, but what's the most challenging part of the grind of the D-League? I actually read a piece that was written about you and uh, how you really kind of mentor the younger guys and what it's like to be a professional and, you know, sometimes the travel can be hard, but what's the toughest part of playing in the D-League? Um, I think for me, it's probably two different dynamics. Um, the first dynamic will probably be that, like the actual grind itself. Um, of course, it doesn't I always felt, and I've always spoken my opinion, whether it's been like, you know, during the showcase, because showcase is kind of like our convention where, you know, all of the teams are around, all of the owners, everybody's around, and then we have all these team meetings and stuff like that. You know, guys get the voice. Their opinion. I've always been a guy to voice my opinion as far as like I always felt that the pay was unfair. Yeah. Based on, you know, what, what, what we were given, you know, 40, 40 some games, 50 some games in four months, like that's, and with, with the travel, that's tough. You know, I never realized how tough, you know, guys have it in the NBA until you get to those points. Like those guys, they, they earn and they check. Like a lot of us probably feel like, hey, they getting overpaid. Nah, them guys earn. They get paid what they, what what they were. So I think that aspect of it is pretty tough. Being that you have to give so much, and then you're not really reaping the rewards from it in a sense. You know that can be tough at times because a lot of guys, and you probably heard a story, um, when they get stuck in the D league or they can't go and play nowhere else, they just they end up getting a regular job. Yeah. You no, know, because it, it's, it's that tough. Like you, when you get to thinking about it, 
you're going to have those moments. Even I've had moments. I said, you know, is it worth it? Mm. You know what I mean? I can, I can, I can be, I can be coaching. You know, I, I've had two situations where I was offered coaching jobs. I, man, I can be coaching and making 90, 100,000 a year as opposed to making, you know, two or three. Right. Or whatever maybe you know during that time when i was a, i was a, like early in my career and i was a c-level player so that aspect of it is tough then you have the playing aspect which is actually going out there and showing like making your mark and then it's kind of like being ignored for mm-hmm. whatever reason like i've seen guys like be first team all d league or Win MVP Ron Howard, for instance, and and don't touch the NBA. Don't see an NBA team. And I always wonder how how do an MVP of your league don't get a shot in the NBA? It's so tough, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's and 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 that's a that's also a reflection of the league. Like how do you allow that? Like if you're trying to push this league and say this league is a little brother than the NBA, there shouldn't be an instant where you have an MVP. I don't care how old he is. I don't care. Um, what college he went to or whatever the case may be or how, 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 how they cater to him on his team. There shouldn't be an incident where that happens and the guy don't get a shot in the NBA because if I'm watching that or if I'm a young player that's watching that, I'm conscious. I'm going to say, I don't want to play in that league if I can possibly be an MVP and I don't even get a chance at, uh, a, a shot at playing on the NBA team. I don't want to play in that league. Yeah, you can tell how it would be. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell just how discouraging, like you mentioned, uh, it would be. And, uh, that's again a really interesting perspective on kind of the, the, the life of, um, you know, somebody playing in the D League and those challenges. It's really, it gives you a, really a great respect for people who go through the grind like you have for many years. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've hit a, I've hit a, I've hit a uh, 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 all D league year, average like 18 points a game, like eight assists, like, like a monster year. It was like, at one point I was on the call up list. I, my agent was like, Hey, team, think about calling you up. And then at the end of the season, like nothing happened. Yeah. Like one of the best players in the D league. And it was, it was nothing. Like, Hey, we don't, like, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. And I was young. I was still young at the time. So, and then that's another thing you have to deal with the age factor. Um, the D league is, is is becoming a real reflection of the NBA. So right now you look at all these NBA teams and it's super young. Like no vets on these teams. And yeah. the vets that are on these teams is like really being put or backseated right away to we want you to be the 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 player coach. We 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 want you to help the guys, you know, in practice and on the bench and in the locker room, we, we, we want we want you to be locker room guys more so than players at this point. We want we want you to help groom this guy that we invest in all of this time and this money in, who probably got like fifteen more years in him if everything goes planned. And you actually you As look at a guy that probably only has one or two. Yeah. Yeah, if you look at the uh, NBA draft projections, they actually have zero seniors going in the first All round. Freshmen. Yeah, All freshmen. yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Um, so, well, it, it actually kind of ties in. So, you actually went up to Canada this year to go play uh, for Orangeville, the Orangeville A's. I think that's over near Ottawa, if I read correctly. Um, 
So, you know, obviously, now you left the D-League, where, again, you've been overseas, you've been in the D-League, you ended up going to Canada this year. What was that like, a new country for you going up to play there? Well, I, I, it was actually my second year playing. I had played in the league the year before. Uh, and uh, the funny thing to me, that this that league is real, real similar to the D-League. I think it can be what the D-League is now, and that would be great for the Canadian League because, again, it's closer to the States. It's not technically overseas. So the possibility of you getting high-level players or talented players is higher because it's closer to home. And you'll be surprised at how many guys are more lenient at being closer to home. And like you mentioned, I mean, it, just a quick little trip up there uh, to go play in Canada. And it's actually reflected, too, if you look at Canada, and this is something I really wanted to ask you about that you were in Canada. Uh, Canada Canada's kind of having a basketball kind of renaissance right now. You mentioned it. People yeah, want to play are. up there. They are. like, And I, and I said this like the my first year when I came to Canada because I have a friend that actually um, coaches. So and he's in Canada living. And my first year there, me and him was like having a conversation. And I was like, yo, Canada is, is, is kind of like how Europe was. And he was like, what, you know, what you mean? And I was like, remember that point in time where the USA team used to kick everybody ass in the Olympics? He was like, yeah. And I was like, and then they eventually caught up. Yeah. Like pe- people was, people was undermining how good Europe got. Like when, when we had those couple years, like those, Four years where the USA team wasn't winning, everybody's like, "Oh, they're not putting a good USA team together." It wasn't that we wasn't putting a good USA team together; it was that Europe caught up. Right? Like them guys was actually just as good. It wasn't the fact that we wasn't like as good as them anymore. We weren't putting our best product out there. Like LeBron, Carmelo, Anthony, D Wade, who all gonna be Hall of Fame players, was a part of that when Europe was like flourishing during that time period. Like, them guys were pretty great players when they were younger. So, I think that's the same thing with Canada right now. Like, they, 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 they basketball has caught up with everybody else. Because I remember when I was coming out of high school, you probably get like one guy that they'll talk about out of Canada. Like, I remember one was probably Denim Brown, and then another one was Olu Famutini. Right. My year. Yeah. Like, those were the two guys I had ever heard of out of Canada. He was like, and, 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 and Sweet. Like, those are the only three guys I ever heard of when you talk about Canada basketball. And Canada is a big country, so to only hear about three guys, that's, that's man, that's, that's not saying a lot. And certainly, you look now, and, you know, Jamal Murray, Tristan Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, uh, Corey Joseph. So the, how, how long do you think before they can compete with, maybe not the United States, but with some of, the, like, you know, the Spains of the world? How long do you think they have to catch up to them? Uh, not long. It's like anything else. If you can get your top guys to commit, then that that makes everything else easier because it's, it's it's the same thing with us here. Like you have certain guys that they already saying no to USA. That's that's probably our best players. They like, nah, I don't I don't want to do it yeah. for whatever reason, for rest reasons, or had a long season, or don't want to afford to get hurt because I'm going into a contract year, or whatever the case may be. So when you can get your top guys to commit, it makes it easier. And I think like even looking at the Canada team and looking at what they have now, you can you can easily say like, man, if they had this guy, this guy, and that guy playing, they they would have been a solid team. Like you didn't you didn't have Andrew Wiggins out there playing. 
It, yeah, it, it it's uh, one of the players in the NBA, right? And you know the number one pick, so uh, that'll be interesting to watch. It really will. The rest of the world catching up. I don't want to keep you too long. I know uh, you have big plans coming up this week. It's late. I don't want to keep you up too late. But I just had two final questions to leave you off with, uh, and because I know you're such a TBT fan, like you mentioned, outside your team, uh, besides overseas elite, we know they're good. Do you have any other one or two teams you really enjoy watching in TBT? One or two teams that I enjoy watching. Mm. Or would be a tough matchup? I don't think nobody's really a tough matchup, but um, (laughs) there there was some teams that I kind of enjoy watching. And and because I'm always a fan of player, um, I thought the DC team was good. They had a, they had a, they had a good, 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 good group of guys. Um, the funny thing is, man, I've, I've played in Syracuse my whole career, and it's always interesting watching them play because of that damn zone. The zone, yeah. It, so it's, it's just interesting how they make that zone work. So I'm always, like, like got an eye for them watching them, especially since it's, like, a group of, like, all of their best players from Syracuse. I thought the fascinating thing about them, I don't know if you caught the game. So they actually lost to Pittsburgh in Philadelphia in yeah. the sweet, uh, the Super 16. And, uh, yeah, that, that game was a dog fight. It was a good game. Yeah. And Pittsburgh is like the one team who has always had Syracuse's number. It was interesting to see that college rivalry not only translate to TBT, but Pittsburgh once again had their number. That was a really interesting game. Um, so, uh, you know, final question here. The, for the people listening at home, why should they vote for the Fort Wayne champs? What can they expect this summer? Why should they give you a vote right now? Um, I would say, given, like, our history, and again, uh, the, the, the region we plan in, it's, 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 I, I really don't see a lot of change right now. Like, like I say, I, I'll be on it. Just as much as Gary do. Um, and I'm kind of seeing the same similarities as I did our first season. I don't really see too many teams that'll be able to really match up with us. Um, from, from just because we got so many wings. So I think in that case, like for us, it, it should be, if we, if we take care of business, it'd be easy for us to get out, of, get out of the Midwest. And then we, we go from there given who makes it from other regions. Absolutely. And that obviously, uh, you guys hope to make it in Baltimore for the semifinals. Real quick, who do you got winning the NBA championship? Oh, man. I'm going to make a lot of people mad. I actually ha- I have Golden State. Okay. But, 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 <laughs> but, but Cleveland looks extremely scary right now. Well, you, you got me yeah. upset earlier because you said my Celtics are going to get swept. Any chance they can come back from a 2 0 hole? Nah, it's a wrap for yourself. They might as well get ready for uh, June 26. <laughs> well, like you uh, mentioned, the number one pick uh, coming in soon. Hopefully, they'll bounce back. So you have Golden State. We will see if that comes true. Uh, Anthony Harris, you've been more than generous with your time. Really fascinating look on TBT, the D-League, things happening basketball-wise around the world, uh, around the world, excuse me. And we really appreciate your time and looking forward to seeing you in, uh, in, at, or at Bradley University this summer. Yep. No problem, man. I- I can't say how much uh, I, I look forward to, you know, competing again in the, in, in the tournament and seeing you guys down there.